song of the movie for sure (laughs) welcome to bad movie brunch with me luke here in chicago and me katie here in los angeles katie in honor of Lollapalooza going down in chicago this weekend uh in honor of all of the teenagers that'll be doing hard drugs in downtown chicago in mass uh what are we talking about this week Today we're talking about the Party Epic Project X. When did you see this movie? Was last night the first time? This is the first time I've ever seen this movie. Cool. Quick episode. What'd you think? I didn't care for it. It was not for me. Yeah. And I knew it was like when it came out. I remember seeing the ad for it and I was like, oh. That that doesn't look like something I would enjoy, and I was correct. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know that you enjoy it. Well, Why don't you tell me about your history with it. Don't incriminate me like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the top of this episode, I should, I should just announce that um, I saw this movie in like 2012 <laughs> when everybody else saw this movie, and I was like, you know, 19 or some shit. Uh, well, I guess if it was 2012, I was 20. <laughs> um. But regardless, uh, this movie has a lot of problems. Uh, That should be stated right away. This movie uh, projects themes of misogyny, uh, norms, uh, relationships, expectations for relationships. A lot of things that I myself do not endorse personally. Um, I assume you feel the same. You know, uh, while I was watching this movie, it hit me that there aren't really characters in it. Right. There are events that happen. There are quips that are pretty funny. Yeah. Some of them are pretty gemtastic. But on the whole, it's like those three, the three main characters, there's not much really to tell them apart by. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Except for like Costa, like the main guy who's just a fucking, well, it's not, he's not the main guy, but he, I think he's the big takeaway from this movie. He's a total loudmouth. I but, think that it's really interesting because while I was watching it, I couldn't help but compare it to, like, mo- similar movies. And I think Costa was meant to be modeled after, like, the Steven Stifler type. Yeah. But what I think makes Stifler kind of work in the American Pie universe is that you can tell he's just a deeply sad man who wants to fit in with this core group of friends but can't because he's, like, such a re- uh, reprehensible asshole. Yeah, and there's a vulnerability to Stifler that Costa just doesn't have. For sure, I think this movie is uh, directly a product of the success of uh, Superbad. Um, yes, and I remember even when this movie was like when they were showing the trailers and stuff, they were like, like the reason I actually didn't see it right away because I I like kind of hated this movie without seeing it off the bat because it was uh they were advertising themselves as like super bad like but like but times two or like you know this movie is and i'm like well pff, don't compare yourself to the to the legend son like you know what i mean like super bad's a movie <laughs> um and so i slept on it because like uh this came out like right when i was like came out of high school and i didn't see it right away uh i was gonna go see it my friends went and saw it while i was at work they're dicks and i, <laughs> I had to i had to come across it later um that being said, I think that like yeah, this is directly a product of like people trying to capitalize on like that sort of uh Superbad sort of did a thing where it 
returned to like the coming of age films of this like seventies and eighties, like, you know, animal house and like porkies and like stuff like that, that, uh, is raunchy, but has a lot of heart. And, uh, that's where this movie, uh, disconnects. I think I, I, you know, like, uh, Taylor, my girlfriend Taylor was watching this movie and she, we got like 10 minutes in and she's like, Oh, this is just, this is just like an awful shitty super bad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, I guess you're right. But you know what? This is like the teen movie for the kids of today. Like, you know, uh, this is the this is this is teen movie methamphetamine. <laughs> um, it's sort of nonstop and in your face. And uh, the thing I like most about it, I would say, is the fact that it feels like one big experiment. And that was the way it was conducted in production. Like this whole movie is an experiment. Uh, it, definitely on the heels of like there was a sort of resurgence in the, the, the cinema of Verite or whatever, like the handheld, like you're, the movie's told from a perspective of somebody holding a camera and stuff. Um, kind of a la Chronicle, a la Blair Witch, uh, Paranormal Activity maybe? I don't know. Um, it also, but that, that's interesting because it kind of struck me more as a Michael Bay movie in the sense that like instead of story, we're going to give you what you want. And if you enjoy teen party movies, instead of, like, bothering you with the story, we're just going to have all party. And I do. I do like teen party movies. And I think that, like, there's a part of my, my brain, uh, like, the simplest, the simplest, simplest part of my brain uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, like, this sort of, like, appeals to. It's like, uh, it's like background noise or, like, something like that where... It's like, oh, there's nothing here. It's like soap operatic and it's lack of substance. Um, but something about that's very pleasant to me. And, uh, you know, the humor of like these three characters, like our three dudes, um, while toxic, while like coming across to many as mean spirited and bullying, that doesn't mean that these type, these type of friendships don't exist. And that doesn't mean that they don't represent a very, uh, a very real type of, uh, uh, Dude. Com- dude camaraderie because i lived it because mm-hmm. <laughs> i lived it and i'll tell you <laughs> that uh while i don't need to look for representation of myself in film because i'm just a, a cis white male uh these guys definitely resonated to me in that and i'm not apologizing for it and i'm not promoting that but i'm just saying that just because they come across as like you know constantly ribbing each other and being dicks to each other and yada yada doesn't mean it's not real <laughs> you know I think that that might have worked a little bit better for me if you got the sense that there was something else behind that. Because there is a moment in the movie at some point where Costa genuinely tries to make it seem like these are his friends and this is what he could do for them. Right. But then you kind of get the sense that really, no, what Costa really wanted was just to get laid. Like, he doesn't care about either of these guys. He just wanted, he was just thinking about himself. Totally. Let's, well, let's set up the, let's set up the plot for, for the, the uninitiated um, we don't have to. We don't have to rake through it. It's a pretty simple flick, <laughs> but uh, you know, this is uh, a party movie first and foremost. Like you said, like they're trying to just give you, give you, give you what you want, uh, quote unquote. Um, uh, and so basically, it is the main character Thomas Cub, as portrayed by Thomas Mann. You've seen him in other flicks. Uh, it's his birthday. He's kind of a nerd, and his two buddies, uh, Costa, played by Oliver Cooper. And uh, JB, who's uh, Jonathan Brown, um, 
all relative unknowns except for Thomas Mann at this point. That goes into the more experiment thing that we'll talk about later when I get into the production because I think that's the most interesting part. The most interesting parts of this movie actually aren't in the movie. <laughs> it's like all in the execution to me. Um, but they the whole big plan is to throw a big party that's a game changer that'll you know let them make their mark in high school. Uh, you know, a treaded a plot we've seen treaded before, uh, to be sure. Um, but this movie definitely goes out of its way in every aspect to try and take it to that next level, a level that maybe it shouldn't be taken to. <laughs> um, so the big thing is let's have a big, like a rager at my house and do they, or don't they? Uh, I think, you know, the answer by now. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, the, the party movie, I would say. Correct. And I, you know, Another thing, oh, sorry, before we get into it, sure. there, it also, you mentioned that there's like a Blair Witch aspect to it. Yeah. You want to set that up? You set it up. I don't know what you mean. Oh, in that the, <laughs> so the story is told in like through a handheld camera by this yeah. kid that they hired named Dap. Okay. And we only see a split second of him, but he's clearly incredibly troubled. And I would say probably the most interesting part of the he movie. Is. Because every once in a while, he says something really troubling. Yeah. And at the very end of the film, he apparently made his parents disappear. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely killed his parents. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Like, yeah every and now he did a good job filming this movie. If he did. If we're led to believe that he did it all himself. He yeah. He was an excellent documentarian. He shot the shit out of it. He made him look yeah. pimp. He made him look pimp, just like he said he would. <laughs> um... And the funniest, the funniest thing is like th these three guys are losers, but two of them at least realize it. And then there's Costa, you know what I mean? Who's just this foul-mouthed New Yorker who now lives in Pasadena with these guys. Always talking about all the girls he's you know been with. Always talking about how much like how badass he was until he moved here. And I'm like, well, I'm not buying it, man. <laughs> and yeah. uh, he, he, I knew people like this dude <laughs> who are just too much. And uh, but like they sort of have to do it to compensate for, you know, lack of self-confidence by over, uh, exerting it, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, they have to be their own hype men. Correct. Yeah. They're like, they're Millie and Vanilli. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the idea of, uh, you know, having one big party to, to make your, make your mark. I like, I like that. Oh, so far so good. I like party movies. Uh, I, I think that the reason I like party movies so much is because I've never actually been to, uh, a party that seems like a movie party. And that's probably a good thing to be honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like movies, like they just go so over the top that it becomes really fun. It's like the idea of fraternities. I would not want to be a fraternity in real life. Couldn't do it. Don't like the culture <laughs> and, uh, wouldn't be able to participate. But I love I love fraternities in movies because it's it, they come you know it's 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 unrealistic it's two dimensional and it comes off as funny to me you know what I mean this is kind of the uh, yeah. also apology to our listeners I listen back to our episodes and I say you know what I mean about forty times an episode that's not saying I'm gonna <laughs> that's, that's not saying I'm gonna stop but just know, you're cognizant of it just know I acknowledge it too okay so sorry <laughs> um but. The idea of that, like, is you know, it's simple, but I'm into it. Um, but that's just the beginning. You know what I mean? So, and I just did it again. Uh, Katie, talk for a while. I'm getting freaked out. <laughs> Why are you getting freaked out? Because <laughs> now I'm listening um, uh, to myself talk. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, uh, how about this? 
So another thing I think is very interesting to compare this movie to is Weird Science. Ooh, okay, now we're talking. I think this is the weird science of our generation because Weird Science is a movie about two losers who basically throw a party. They also create a woman, but to compare it to this movie, they throw this big party to impress a bunch of people in high school. So the the idea is to, like, have this brief moment in time where you can uh, be popular. And the thing that I think is so sad about this movie is that this kid destroys his entire life, his entire (laughs) neighborhood, just for a couple more months Uh, of getting claps from people who are utter assholes that he never has to see ever again. Oh, he's so dead. And I find that so sad and so tragic. Yep. It's, I would never do it. Uh, it's something I would never do. And that's like, you know, maybe you're with the wrong friends, Thomas Cub. Uh, yeah. I mean, except for Kirby, the girl who super likes you and doesn't get a great. Oh, blow me. Does, <laughs> a whole bit. It's like, bad. Oh it's bad. So this, this movie, okay. It's let's, pathetic. Let's, let's talk about this. Yes. So Kirby, Kirby is supposed to be one of the guys. Yeah, quote unquote. But we never see her really hang out with him except for a little blip when she's playing video games with him. And, of course, she has to be the best at it because how else could we show that she's one of the guys? Right. But on the whole, like, when these three dudes are hanging out with each other, you never see her. Well, Yet they're like, yeah, Kirby's always been around. Like, really, movie? Like, show me. Don't tell me. Well, and her whole, like, falling for this dude and then him kind of being into her wasn't yeah, set up at all. No, and when he bad. cheats on her with another girl, like, the more popular girl for its status, it's, it's not – bullshit it is and really then she bad. just forgives him that's the worst part that's all right let's just do the kirby storyline totally so uh, the way and like you get little clips the whole thing about this movie is it's very much snapshotty so like a lot of exposition comes off in little lines here and there we have to like learn history and like there's the thing of uh basically the, the kirby is like yeah we used to be friends until costa moved here and then once costa showed up we stopped hanging out like so like he's the reason she's not really part of the group but uh, the way i take it is her thomas and jb used to be the three before costa moved in um which is ridiculous why wouldn't you hang out with kirby over costa's dumbass? <laughs> um but yeah so yeah they they end up hooking up at the party and it's like oh what a moment for me and then later on in the night, like hours after this girl like hooked up with you, you're lucky to even get hooked up with Thomas Cub. And uh, then, uh, you know, the whole thing is like setting up like, oh, there's this other girl, Alexis, and she's the hottest girl in school. And she has sex with college guys. And like, she's so cool. And like, she wants to bang Thomas because it's his party and it's a it's a rager. And so they start to do that. And I'm like, look, man, look, man, <laughs> look, man. What really kills me about that is, like, the only reason why he hooks up with her is to impress Costa. Totally. I mean, absolutely. Which it, is so sad. It's like, really at sad. At point, they're all drunk, and they're, are they lying on the grass? Yeah, they're, they're like, the lying on the front grass. It's, like, after okay. he hooks up with Kirby, but before he hooks up with Alexis. So they're all lying on the grass, and Thomas says, like, guys, I hooked up with Kirby. I really liked her. And that's when Costa says, but she's always been here. you got to hook up with, like, a better girl at your party yeah like so that's cool and all it's fucked up he's like no offense thomas that's cool and all but it's like dude fuck you oh it's such a nightmare i uh i started to regret picking this movie as i started watching because i haven't watched it in a few years and i was like oh did i mess up uh i don't know (laughs) 
Why do you think that? Just because there are just things in this movie, uh, the Kirby storyline, which I forgot about completely. And I'm like, ooh, that's I'm bad. Very forgettable. I mean, it's yeah. so bad, though. The fact that, like, you're right, like, spoiler, in the end, like, after, like, after all things are said and done, like, she's, like, totally cool with it. And I'm like, well, I don't love that. I, <laughs> I don't love the idea of... Um, of uh the other like the hottest girl in school also like going around and just like hooking up with Thomas for status because it's just kind of a weird thing. Again, not to say it doesn't happen. Uh because, you know, I guess stuff like that especially in uh I don't know what it's like to go to high school in California, but it seems pretty lit. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um but, you know, high schools are clicky and uh things like this definitely do go down. Not with me. I was I didn't go to parties. I wasn't invited, but <laughs> The thing that okay, so again to bring it back to weird science is that in weird science we're meant to root for the two loser leads because sure. at the very beginning they set up the scene where they get pantsed in front of like a gym class full of girls. Right. So they have this vulnerable moment and you're like, Oh god, that's embarrassing and that sucks. And they try to kind of do that in the beginning of this movie by having like this just one asshole hover in front of Thomas's locker. And that's supposed to make us feel bad for these guys and make us feel like they're underdogs. Yeah, and there's also know. like a throwaway line in the, or not a throwaway line, but in the beginning, Dax manages to catch Thomas's dad calling him a loser. It's so and, weird. Oh God, it's so fucked up. It is super like, fucked up. I, I don't feel, I, I just didn't think that that was realistic. And that didn't make me feel bad for Thomas. No. Even which is weird because you would think that that would accomplish that. But the way it was set up just made me think that like, ah, oh, dad is even a dad is an asshole. I think there's also a problem because they live in this huge house and this pool and they're clearly very rich and very able to rich. afford like a DJ and Tasses bougie. All, this, all the booze and like, it's just a bunch of rich dickheads being rich dickheads. That's for true. And, uh, and, uh, his dad, like, I think his dad is the least believable character in the flick um because we get him at the beginning and he's like we get like dax shooting like him talking to his wife and he's like yeah i I mean he doesn't you know he's a loser and it's not a big deal and then when all things are said and done and like they're getting the like bmw or whatever like lifted out of the swimming pool and shit by like a crane and his dad just kind of like impressed with him See, like, like, that worked for me okay. because the way I understood it was that the dad is so shitty because they, they also did like a Ferris Bueller thing with the car. Oh, they had yeah. The Except for he didn't do the it. The, the, the little yeah. man, the little man that, oh, I don't even go into it. <laughs> yeah, there's a little person that, it, that yep. So there, the car is in the pool, his precious, precious car, and they lift it up. And that's, I think that's a good shot at the very end of the movie is that yeah, the dad is finally, is. but it, it's again, so, like this movie is essentially a tragedy. It's one Whoa. man's complete hubris, like destroying his entire future right. just to impress people that don't matter and Not his at all. fucking asshole dad. I hear you. I hear you. And like when you think about it that way, maybe the movie works even a touch better. Um there are so like I said, like there's so much I don't I don't like in this movie, but there's also a lot that I enjoy. And part of it, aside from like the hyper stylized like over the top party which is fun as hell to watch in my opinion it's also just the idea that you just mentioned like 
man, you just got to hang on and get to college. And like, that's, mm-hmm. that's a hard thing. And it's a hard thing for a lot of people. Like th- a thing you always had to remember. And I was like lucky to have like a select group of really good friends, but like that didn't make high school a breeze. It didn't make like growing up through adolescence and stuff. The, the idea, like you're with these people more than your own family. Like for the most part, like you're with these same kids, like five days a week, day in, day out, except for, except for summer. And your status in that class like matters and the idea of uh, having to impress these people and be one of them and like just wanting to be accepted uh, I have to imagine is even more so in a school that's so massive where it's so easily it's so easy to get lost and like I went to a pretty small school and I wasn't Mr. Popular you know what I mean going to this big ass high school where there's all these different tiers of uh very grown-up high schoolers by the way (laughs) like very adult uh like like, i mean jesus i mean me and my friends i didn't even like really get into that sort of thing until like college for the most part (laughs) like i i would we'd rent a movie and get like snow cones and shit like junior year (laughs) junior year of high school and stuff (laughs) so uh yeah but I, i don't know like the idea that you're you're putting on where him just risking the whole biscuit just to um just to have that moment is kind of beautiful to me in its tragedy. Uh, just, the, I, I, I can't relate fully, but I do understand it. And uh, watching it with that in mind, I think it helps the narrative. Yeah. To give it a bit more like this is, it, it's not worth it. No. I would say. No, like, God, it, no. It, it looks really cool. But again, it's, a, it's just a Michael Bay explosion. Yeah. It's very expensive for a brief, brief moment. And sure. It looks cool. But it's not really helping you in the long run. The, I would want to be one of the party goers that just happened to be at the party. I would never want to be Thomas, uh, Costa, or JB. Just I because know. they're getting brought up on charges. These other kids just get to go and rage. Now that I could get into. Uh, I, would yeah, love, I would love to do that night with no, with no consequence. <laughs> then I would totally be there. Because um, I'm not going to sit here and say some of it doesn't look fun. <laughs> I'm not going to be that guy. No, no, no. Me is that at one point in the movie, a father from the neighborhood shows up yes. and starts playing beer pong. So funny, and that I think that I that I really enjoy because that guy just showed up just to play beer pong, not to be weird, not to hit on high school girls, no. but just to you know play beer pong. If Miles Teller rolled up to my house party <laughs> in a in a party bus full of ladies, and he walked out and was like, "Yo, what's up, man? I'm Miles Teller." I'd have been like. Ooh, best night of my life alert. Let's talk about Miles Teller. Cool, let's do it. <laughs> uh, I don't think a lot of people, if they haven't, I don't think a lot of people realize Miles Teller's in this. Yeah, no, it was a surprise to me. And more than that, who does Miles Teller play in this movie? Oh, I believe Miles Teller plays a character <laughs> by the name of Miles Teller. It's like, for that alone, this movie shoots up the rankings with me. Miles Teller is just is just an American boy. Just uh, just like as sweet of a sweetheart as can be. <laughs> and uh, so they're at the grocery store, Costa, JB, and Thomas, like trying to get stuff for the party. Um, and they see they see Miles Teller and they're like, oh, my God, dude, that, that's Miles Teller. And they're like, dude, my boy plays my boy plays second base at USC. <laughs> and they're like, dude, invite, invite him to the party. He's like, yo, Mytel. He's like, hey, hey, hey man. He's like, hey, yeah, we're having this big, we're having this big party tonight. You should totally come. And he's like, well, um, okay, uh, okay, we'll see. <laughs> and he's like, no, dude, this is my party. It's like, that's the, that's your party. 
that's the party I'm going to. And then instantly Miles <laughs> Teller's like in. So awesome. He's just in like Flint with his rosy cheeks. It, it is like all American <laughs> smile. I do love Miles Teller. There is something not? so terribly charming about him. And the the other thing that's crazy about that is that Miles Teller isn't even playing American actor Miles Teller. No. My, Miles Teller is playing baseball player from high school miles teller <laughs> right like oh he's he's the shit he's just a total jock he's like you guys you guys need anything you, you need you need booze you need girls you know what don't even worry about it i'll handle it like oh god <laughs> it's so rad that works for me i was like okay, cool. uh, let's because like miles he's teller he's the most charming dude alive and um you know then he d- then he shows up in the party bus with ladies later on <laughs> It's so awesome, but maybe the peak of Miles Teller in this movie is the gnome, right? So, oh yeah, the gnome. At the beginning, the three guys go to this creepy old weird dude T Rex house to buy weed, and they steal this gnome. Uh, Wait, really quick, I I have to mention this because this slayed me. Yes, this okay. Is one part of the movie that super worked for me. Me too. So. All of these kids are sitting in this, like, very creepy dude's, like, shack, essentially. And they're waiting for him to come back with the drugs that they just purchased. (laughs) And uh, as they're waiting, uh, you just hear, in the most haunting way humanly possible, uh, that James... What's that guy's name? James Blum? James... uh, It's the... the, You're beautiful. Oh, yeah, James Blunt. You're beautiful. It's true. Yeah. so... Haunting and uncomfortable. Yeah, it's and really goody. <laughs> it's the perfect song for that scene because it's completely unexpected. It's very unnerving. And then they kind of cut the tension by finally having Costa like pretend to have sex with this gnome that's full of ecstasy. <laughs> that's the thing, is like what's with this gnome? And they like totally steal it. And then when they're when they're driving away from getting weed from T Rick, he starts running after them like the predator. Like the Terminator, <laughs> just like Costa, give me my fucking gnome. <laughs> just like slamming into the car, they like hit him with the van, and he doesn't stop running and shit. He just can't be killed. And they're like, "Whoa, what's wrong with that?" And they kind of don't mention it for a while. So then we're in the midst of like probably the second montage of the movie, and the Steve Aoki remix of Pursuit of Happiness is just like bam, 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 bam. And Miles Teller goes, throw it in nice and low, and he's got a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> and he just destroys it and just ecstasy goes flying everywhere. Just it's like a pinata. Just, it's so beautiful. Just a pill pinata. And these white kids, <laughs> these white teenagers just hit the ground and start just mowing down on all these drugs. And it's like, <laughs> okay, I'm not condoning this movie for the hundredth time, but I also think that's really funny. Yeah, and it explains why the gnome was so important. Exactly. When that first happens, you just think that maybe this guy just like that's his thing, is that that's just his gnome. That's his but gnome. like, it's a special boy. You see the ecstasy explode. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. And uh, so Miles Teller is only in this movie for like three minutes and twelve Total, seconds. Yeah. But I would hazard to argue that it's the best three minutes and twelve seconds of the movie. You couldn't be more right. And he does he does a thing that almost every character does where. Almost everybody's character name is their exact name, um, mm-hmm. because their whole thing the and the whole thing in this production was to uh, they wanted to make it seem like this was real. Uh, so they sent out they used a special website and put out a casting call to everybody that was like eighteen or above, like in the entire U.S. Uh, to uh, to audition for Project X, and uh, that's why. Uh, 
Oliver Cooper is Costa, but he goes by Oliver at times in the movie. JB is Jonathan Brown. Thomas Cub is Thomas Mann. Uh, Miles Teller is Miles Teller. Kirby's name is Kirby. Alexis is Alexis. You get it. Um, mm-hmm. T Rick's name is Rick something. Uh, like they wanted it to. Uh, <laughs> T-Rick, my dude, my dude T-Rick. Actually, hang on, I have to say a T-Rick quote. He's like, uh, they're talking, like, Costa's talking to him about his guns and stuff like that. He's like, yeah, man, that's a good idea. We should go to the range, get it out of your system, and pretend you're shooting cops if you want. (laughs) And then he has one of those, uh, I I don't know what they're called, but one of those sheets from the shooting range that actually has bullets in it. Yeah. And the kids are looking at it, and they're incredibly unnerved. And I'm like, okay, cool. that's That's a good... That's a good bit. <laughs> it's so fucked up. <laughs> um, but yeah, the idea of like this, uh, this movie that like they just wanted to make it seem like they wanted the audience to be like, wait, did this happen? Or are these actors? And they are actors. But um, th- I think that was also part of the problem in the backlash to it all, uh, the impact of it all, uh, because this movie uh, elicited a lot of copycats. Oh, it um, sure did. It had a crazy impact uh, on, I mean, a poisonous impact, I would say. Uh, it did a bad thing where everybody became the cool thing to, for people to want to imitate this party. Uh, and mm-hmm. I guess that's the lesson you learn by, like, making a movie that's, like, romanticizing the idea of, like, a truly tragic, illegal criminal activity. <laughs> uh, and, you know, making it, stylizing it, like, the coolest night ever. Because they were, like, there were just like I read of five, six different cases of people that put out invites that were like getting shared once a second on like Twitter and Craigslist and stuff, and thousands of people were showing up for like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of like damage. They were destroying like beautiful homes, like all this shit, all in the uh, all in the uh, vein of Project X. They were, but every, all the names were also really not creative. People were like, "Nah, my party was Project M," and like stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and I'm like, "Cool, man, cool." Um, and they didn't learn the lesson of the film. We as viewers get to enjoy this nightmare of a party and, well, enjoy is a strong word, but without consequence. <laughs> but if you actually try to do this, you are the biggest piece of shit <laughs> on the face of the planet because it is just, oh, so irresponsible. <laughs> there's a point in the movie where there's a another dad that comes over. And yeah. we, we see him at the beginning. Like Costa tells him, comes up to him and he's like telling the neighbors early on like hey we're gonna have a party just so you know and everybody's like okay cool and so that dad shows up later different dad than beer pong dad and he's like hey i you guys gotta cut it out like this is just like I, my baby's trying to sleep you know we we have a family other people live on this block besides your besides your party and uh it responds so like the response basically is that he gets tased by a seventh grader that's working as a counselor <laughs> these Two security kids are like seventh graders, and they are also, along with Miles Teller, two of the best parts of the entire fucking movie. <laughs> because, I think the movie could have used more of them. Yeah, because they were really funny, and they were total mm-hmm. hard asses. And uh, this guy's like, like, I'm going to call the cops in. And this kid comes out of nowhere and just tases the guy. And the guy turns around and just punches the kid in the face. Just like <laughs> drops him. He's like, I'm calling the cops. Like, are you kidding me? I'm calling the cops on you. You just punched a kid in the face. He's like, I've got it all on tape. It's like, yeah, I, I only got the part on tape of you punching that small child. <laughs> <laughs> Dax is, you know, Dax is ride or die. For real. And also, that kid follows that guy home and, like, hides in his household, like, in his, like, daughter's closet. He's, like, keeping an eye on the place. It gets so weird. He's, like, Costa giving him a pep talk shows, like, 
the sweeter side of Costa. He's like, hey, that guy sucker punched you, man. You you would you would destroy that guy in a real fight. <laughs> it's not true. No, not at all. He's a kid. Yeah, you twelve year old seventh grade child. He's like four feet tall. You're lucky you didn't die from that. Punch. <laughs> he got punched so hard. <laughs> you took like a fucking champ. <laughs> oh my oh, god, dear. the security kids, man. Uh, the security kids worked. Um, the party is in, uh, impressive. And Miles Teller is nice. And I think that's that really sums up all the things I enjoyed about this movie. I hear you. It, and I think it's fun to, like, watch the party progress because, like, at first it's like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And, like, oh, this is fun. And you're like, oh, this is wild. And then it just, like, jumps the shark completely and turns into, like, chaos mode. So T-Rick returns with a flamethrower with a flamethrower <laughs> on his back, like, in the middle of the street, like, Costa! <laughs> Because he's yelling his name. Because he's mad that he stole his gnome full of expensive drugs, <laughs> and like he's flamethrowing the place. Gets he's getting shot with rubber bullets and set on fire. Police are flash doing throwing around flashbang grenades to disperse the crowd. These kids incited a riot. There's like fire in the streets, blood in the streets, hell's broken loose. <laughs> some ki- drunk kid puking everywhere. Some drunk kid kicks a cop off his horse and steals the horse. Hey yo, I heard Kanye made an appearance. Like, <laughs> oh, I, oh God, that killed me. <laughs> so, oh God. Uh, yeah. So, the movie goes, hits all the predictable beats, but does it in a visually interesting way. Um, but like you said, in terms of like redeeming qualities, take it. I mean, you shouldn't watch this movie for you know cinematic fulfillment in terms of like you know being a film goer. It's just not gonna happen. It's not a character piece. No, is what it's, I would it's say. not a character piece. Um. But there are things the the idea the way this production was carried out the way um the way they decided to shoot it the way they decided to make it seem like kind of like realistic the way they did it on a budget that was like ten million and made back like you know made a hundred million or something like that a lot of that stuff truly impresses me the content is uh at times just absolutely repugnant you know what i mean mm-hmm. the, the the idea of like the, the the misogyny perpetrated in this movie the perpetuation of like horrible stereotypes and the fact that like you can kind of just say or do whatever you want aside from like you know them actually getting you know criminal charges is um is tough and i won't apologize for it but i do like that this film exists and the 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 whole uh very hands-on approach to um yeah going over the top but they accomplish everything they set out to with this flick i think yeah i i definitely think that there's a place for it but as i stated before like it's just not for me no no it's not it's it's not for i can appreciate that it exists this is not for anybody that isn't like a sheltered like 14 to 19 year old white kid (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I mean, it's a small demographic, let me tell you, but enough to make a hundred million dollars. And also, like, this movie was also in twenty twenty twelve. I read the most, uh, the most illegally pirated film on BitTorrent. Uh, oh God, like that everybody makes was obsessed with it. They four days after it came out, they announced the sequel, and this movie hooks like a sequel, and then it never happened, which is fine by me, frankly. Um, probably because they didn't want to make another one after all the copycats. <laughs> Because uh, that's not great press for Warner Brothers. Nah. But uh, I think this kind of went in like so. Todd Phillips made The Hangover, and I th- and he produced this, and I think he was like, well, let's just do a high school party and see what happens. But The Hangover 
wins because it just it's a lot bigger scale, but I think it does have a little bit more heart. Uh, yeah, and there's characters in The Hangover. Yes. Like they're, those three guys are distinct. Yeah, there's very little distinction between the three guys in this one. For sure, like bro movies are a, they're a tricky wicket. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to make them like work. I, I love you, man. Is like a shining example of mo- of bro movies that work. Forty Year Old Virgin is a bro movie that pretty much works to me. Um, mm-hmm. Even like Animal House, it's like surprise feelings. <laughs> even Animal House and stuff, which in posterity, there's a lot of things that don't super age, but that movie is a classic for a reason. Um, but this one is sh- shameful. <laughs> In its portrayal of many things, mm-hmm. um, but the production—I'll—I'll I'll sing this, and I know it's an apology, but the production was cool. They got these three guys, like three kids, that ha- two of them hadn't even like, aside from Thomas Mann, who had appeared re- previously, and it's kind of a funny story. Um, they hadn't ever had an on-screen credit. They wanted to only hire actors that didn't have on-screen credits, and then they reached out to ones with limited, but. I think that's a cool thing. It gives people work that wouldn't have got it otherwise, that wouldn't have starred in a film otherwise. Um, the idea of they, they took those three kids and they like sent them away for like a whole week just hanging out with each other at like Disneyland and like hotels and stuff to like get to know each other, which doesn't exactly come across like you said, but I think that's more of a story problem than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was neat. I thought putting out like a secret website to cast the flick with like tons of unknowns was cool. I think that the fact that they made 200 extras look like thousands of people was really cool. Um, I think that they, the shooting, they shot on a soundstage and it looked real to me, which is not always the, I, you know, the best thing. And they got a director who was really only known for directing music videos. And I think that works for the style of it. Um, that, but that's, that's the problem though. This movie is cotton candy. Um, it's the skyscraper of party movies. And if that's what you're looking for, I mean, look no further. No, I mean, yeah, again, you got it. There's a, I, there is a definite place for Project X. It's just not, it's not always for me, and what, that's okay. What do you think of Thomas Mann, the actor, not Thomas Cub? Oh, Thomas Mann, I really enjoyed him me in Me, Earl, in the Dying Ugh, That's what I'm saying. So, like, the fact that this guy can go and, and he he played, like, kind of a doucher, and uh, it's kind of a funny story. I love that movie. He's kind of a side character, kind of a douche. Uh, and then I saw him in this, and I'm like, well, still kind of a douche, but it's okay. And then Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, he really blew me away. Uh, and that is a movie that shouldn't even be mentioned in the same breath as Project X, because that movie is good. And uh, it's it's uh, it's a high school movie in a very uh, sweet and pure way, self deprecating and depressing and uh, tough at times, but has you know five times as much going for it and more to say than uh, Project X does. Um, I also I there's kind of a Todd Phillips trilogy that I've I've always seen uh, Project X, Twenty One and Over. And then the Hangover as like the Todd Phillips trilogy. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, high school, college, and mm-hmm. adulthood. And it's the three friends every time. Uh, mm-hmm. I always thought that was really interesting, and uh, I I wondered I I wonder if that was purposeful because they did make a Hangover trilogy, but I think the if you watch those movies chronologically, they are just like the perfect shitty bro party weekend. <laughs> 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 it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> Out of the three of those, Project X, 21 and Over, and The Hangover, which one do you think is the best? The Hangover is the best movie. 21 and Over, uh, 
honest, the Project X is the worst one uh, because mm-hmm. I I think Twenty One and Over has a lot more of a beating heart to it than this one. Um, but you know, those movies are movies. This movie to me is an experiment. So this is like a film project that happened to go to theaters, uh, and you know, for as as what it is, fine, good job. But Twenty One and Over is actually, in my opinion, pretty solid, albeit. Uh, predictable and kind of blueprinty and then the hangover i thought was kind of just a revolutionary uh modern comic uh, like comedy film i think that mm-hmm. it was uh i think i think uh the hangover is like a benchmark uh in terms of a uh, blockbuster comedy like a uh, uh, one uh, we don't come across hangovers very often and i think that's why project x and 21 and over and two more hangover hangover movies happen because this movie doesn't doesn't happen i think and uh, without of course, super bad, but absolutely the hangover, I would say, was the other big uh, influence on this sort of uh, 2010s era of um, party movies, frat movies, bro movies, that sort of thing. If you want to go further back, old school, I'm sure, was an influence. That was kind of like the uh, early 2000s cusp of uh, party film. But I think Hangover really incited flicks like this to be made and Todd Phillips being instrumental in, uh, I mean, Todd Phillips made old school. Um, but then he, like, that's kind of, it was like his thing and he's sort of been making his rounds into more of these and continuing to work Miles Teller throughout. Cause he produced 21 over, which was Miles Teller again. Then he made war dogs, which was Miles Teller. Uh, Miles Teller is really good in that one. Yeah. And that movie sucks, but Miles Teller is yeah. damn, damn good. <laughs> and Miles Teller is damn good in it. Um, and now Todd Phillips is doing the Joker movie. So what a career, like what a weird, like what a weird career that guy has. Um, I wonder if we can get some more Oliver Cooper as Costa in the Joker movie, if we're lucky. If, <laughs> if, if we're lucky. Oh gosh, I I would enjoy that actually. Just a weird cameo before he's like taken out or something, <laughs> or he's like a goon. No joke. I um I I still feel as though oh you know what and he did appear in Hangover I think Hangover three. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, no Oliver way. Cooper had like a one-off uh, role in like Hangover three. He's like working at a pharmacy. <laughs> I thought that kid, and now he's on that show, Red Oaks. Maybe uh, he's on a show, uh, and he's been on it for a few few years. Um, I should do more oh, research. Good for him. Yeah, so like he's working, but I really thought he would break out. And then I started reading reviews of this movie, and everybody just hates him. I w- I read one review that was said that he was like the worst thing that ever happened since like Jar Jar Binks. Um, oh my god! And I'm like, I well, mean, the character is pretty awful, but yeah. He- I mean, he rises to the occasion of being the awfulness that the character requires. Sure, and why he's like a you know a piece of shit, an irredeemable piece of shit for most of the flick. That doesn't mean that sometimes he's not funny and like sometimes he's quippy. Um, and it's not Oliver Cooper Oliver Cooper's fault. He didn't write it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, I just thought that that dude could deliver lines, and I thought that uh, he had an energy that we don't see on screen a lot. And uh, you know, I don't don't love what he's saying. <laughs> Uh, but I thought he would break out way more, and I'm glad that he's finally... I saw another movie with him where it was pretty depressing. It was called, like, Four Dogs or something like that, and he had to, like... He was, like, suicidal and had to, like, walk dogs and for somebody, and I, it, I, I don't remember much about it. I just remember being really <laughs> depressing and really sad. <laughs> um, and he's good at it? He's good. He's a good actor. Okay. I really like him. Uh, I, well, good. There's a place for him. Yeah, I really, I, I enjoy him quite a bit. So don't judge him just for this for the character he plays in this movie. Don't judge him for Costa. For sure. Now, 
let's talk about the reception because this came out. Uh, this uh, the Rotten Tomato score is like what twenty three. It's like yeah, really low. it's pretty bad. But the audience score is in like the mid to high sixties, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So l- let's talk about that divisiveness. Uh, division divisiveness well again because i think critics are looking for story and progression and you know like for it to follow certain beats and as you say this movie is more of an experiment and so for the people that come to this movie knowing what they want which is the party for sure movie delivers for sure but again if you're a critic you're looking for very specific story beats and i think that's why the disparity exists totally like places like empire hated it uh, misogyny, mean spirit, loathsome behavior of characters, uh, hated it. Hollywood Reporter also said it was <laughs> grimly depressing, glumly unfun- unfunny teen exploitation, but admitted that it would enthrall a portion of the high school college age demographic it depicts, just as it alternate alternately outrages, confounds, and disgusts others, presumably older audiences. Uh, I mean that checks out. Yeah, totally. It like it does horrible things. But then there's uh, other places that are like, okay, well, this is uh, a portrayal of, you know, maybe this is what high school looks like to people. And maybe this is, uh, you know, I think some places called it the uh, the animal house of the iPhone generation. Um, uh, and to be honest, a generation like that is not portrayed in super bad because that movie is kind of stylized to be like, it's set current, but it looks, it, people like are acting, everything is like, more like 80s, 70s and 80s aesthetic, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I, that, that um, Certain movies, I think, certain teen movies, you can tell that the people writing it, and, you know, because naturally people grow up and there's only a certain time when you can finally get your script made. Right. So the feelings that you have, writers are coming from where they were in high school, which is not necessarily where teens today are in high school. Totally. And do you think that, like, I mean, here's an idea. Do you think that this movie... Uh, even somewhat accurately depicts the sort of uh, uh, the idea of, you know, I guess our generation, really, the millennial, the the disconnected uh, sort of perspective of kids that are, you know, living life through social media and through their phones. And, uh, you know, in many ways, uh, we have alternate alternate realities that so often overtake the actual one we're living because we're always on fucking Instagram and Twitter and like checking in on like, you know, getting like high off Facebook likes and stuff like that. Um, what, I mean, what do you think? I'm going to say this definitively. I think all of that is highly exaggerated. Sure. I don't think everybody is nearly on social media as much as like the media and think pieces portray it. Okay. I think that there is a certain amount of loneliness that comes from it, but I think a lot of people really fucking exaggerate it. Yeah. And it, it, there's another movie that came out. I think it's called, Oh God, it, it was really awful. It was, um, the duff. Oh, the Duff was really bad. Dude, it was fucking terrible. Oh, I hated that that movie. They would stop the movie to do, like, hashtags and shit like that. Yeah, I hated that movie. And, like, that felt so, like, oh, my God, you don't get it. Because at the end of the day, whether or not you have an iPhone, it doesn't fucking matter. You're still, you still feel like a loser. You still hate your body as a teenager. And you still are falling in love for the first time. Like, the beats that you feel as a young person are the exact same everybody's felt since the dawn of time. Nice. And just because we have cell phones, or we, in these kids today, are better at having cell phones, doesn't mean that their feelings or their experiences are any less. Katie, so eloquently put. That's good. I, I posed that Thank question you. very slanted uh, to, to, to elicit a response, and you delivered. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're right. Like that's and that's the one thing I always think about uh, when you know when I think about my parents' generation commenting on us or like us commenting on kids now and stuff. There's always going to be a disconnect in terms of uh, technological advancements and what we do with our time and stuff. And while I very likely do have a screen addiction because I love my iPhone and do get a rush from it, and I'm very uncomfortable when I'm not with it. <laughs> um, I don't think that that changes uh, my emotions as a human. Like the, the thing you said right there, that we've all basically had the same exact feelings since the beginning of time. Like everybody's done this, and while it might be changed in terms of uh, our surroundings or what goes into it, at, the, at our core, fundamentally, we are all still going through the same uh, experiences, albeit with some more uh, adversity, uh, depending on the time. You know what I mean? There, yeah, there was another absolutely. One. Uh, would you have liked a sequel, Katie? Project XX, as it was announced and never uh, followed up on. You know, I no. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't need more of this. No, I hear unless, you. Unless it's the redemption story, where Thomas has to figure out his life oh, and yeah. pay back his parents for the party that he chose. Tell his dad to go fuck off and learn how to be his own person with his own personality. That I would see. I would love to write like an 85 page indie script featuring these three again, where uh, there's no partying and it's all just a hyper stylized dialogue talking about how, how big a piece of shit they were. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they and, grow up. Yeah, and that would be a good time. I would love that movie. <laughs> so, uh, mm -hmm. Todd Phillips, call me. Call me, baby. Todd Phillips. There's, a, there's one final comparison I want to make that yeah. I felt while watching this movie. So at the beginning of the social network, there's this scene where Mark Zuckerberg is talking to his girlfriend, yeah. and she breaks up with him. Right. And she says to him, she looks him dead in the eye, and she says, you're going to go through your life thinking that girls don't like you because you're a nerd. And I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, that's not true. It'll be because you're an asshole. Oh. And I feel like that needs to be communicated to certain types, to, to these guys, to Costa especially. Yeah, Costa's like, the worst. There, there's a certain type of person that thinks like, oh, girls don't like me because, you know, I'm just a nerd. I'm like, no, maybe if you were less of a dick. No, girls don't like you because you're an off Girls would like you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, this movie is not be nicer. Don't take a, don't take a lessons from this movie, kids. Uh, you don't want to be these guys. You are important. You are cool just the way you are, and mm -hmm. that's the bad movie brunch guarantee. You know, <laughs> and what goes further than just that? You and I doing yeah. a thumbs up. Hey guys, we should do a TED talk where <laughs> we're like 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 unraveling Project X and why you shouldn't be these people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, I, honestly, I picked this. Uh, because I was excited. I was like, I haven't watched this in a while. Let's throw it in. And then as I started watching, I'm like, oh, this episode is going to be me being like, man, what an asshole I was. And maybe maybe I'm living the sequel of Project X right now where f five to six years of perspective and I'm like, man, you don't love that. <laughs> like, I, I honestly, like, I couldn't believe how much I used to love it. And, you know, it's a tricky thing, but Superbad still continues to age well with me because those guys are sad sacks and people really don't like them and they don't accomplish the world. I mean, like they definitely get rep for that party and stuff, but they just ha are given so much more room to grow and flourish. And it's the same time frame. Both those movies are told in the same amount of hours. It's just all about what you do on the page. And on the page, this movie is um, as you know bare bones as can be. 
uh, I think I read that the the dude that came up with the story he outlined it in a night and then wrote the script. It's not, it's it's not super tight. I think if you go through like three more drafts and like, hey, let's make these people actual people and not just uh you know bank on sort of frat boy offensive humor, uh, it would go a lot further and maybe like hold the place differently. But instead, it's always gonna. This movie holds a spot for the same exact way the characters do within the flick and the story mm. is this movie was all one big party to, you know, carve out its spot. And the movie was a big party movie that carved out a spot. It impacted the world probably for the negative, probably for the worse, but uh, it did elicit a big response and it was a sort of social phenomenon at the time. One that was not nearly as positive and upbeat as like a high school musical or a twilight, but it was definitely memorable and anybody from like uh, when we were in high school and college and stuff, I think do remember this flick, uh, not necessarily fondly, but I think it'll be remembered for a long time and it'll go down without, without, uh, it won't be forgotten for a while is what I'm trying to say. And for all those reasons, I'm really glad that you picked this. I right. do think that there is something worth coming back to sure. in regards to this movie. And again, making that comparison between why Superbad continues to work and why this movie doesn't. It just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Then, as as always, like our whole thing is that sometimes there are bad movies worth returning to for perspective. Absolutely, and, and I, I think we got some through rewatching this. Totally, and and that's why I love the show because I like taking a look at you know things that I like and being like, do you like this? Should you like this? I like looking at movies like Project X and and being able to you know, look back on why this movie did what it did and how it succeeded so much because a movie, again, that had like a $10 million budget made 100 mil in the U.S., like in theaters or maybe worldwide, but still, that's a pretty big return and also made millions and millions on home release and uh, definitely, while it, it, it was there and people liked it and people watched it and spent their money on it and that's not something easily accomplished in the film industry. It really isn't. Um, so... The, uh, like I said, as a production, I respect it. As a story, I think it's a pile of shit. Ugh. <laughs> 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 oh. But I thought it was very. Uh, I thought it was the perfect flick to watch on Lala weekend because I'm riding the train down with all of these uh, party goers, and I'm like, "Live your Project X today, boys." <laughs> <laughs> and by boys, I mean it was mostly girls. I didn't see a lot of guys. Fair, fair. It was weird. I felt really out of place. I was like the only one on the train not drinking Molly water. <laughs> it comes in a specialized package can't you kids just grow it's, up and smoke covered pot? in glitter <laughs> be an adult and drink you know like at home by yourself like real people do yeah we're well, watching movies yeah come on you're, you're the you're the wrong you're on the wrong side of alcoholism kids <laughs> <laughs> one day you'll see you'll find you'll out see. you'll be you'll be you'll be one of us <laughs> Uh, Katie, how far away do you live from Pasadena? <laughs> oh, uh, actually, not that far anymore, because now I live in North Hollywood. Oh, wow. Braggart. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone. It sounds fancy. It's really not. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, not that far. I do think there are some really nice houses around there. I've never been to a Pasadena crazy party, but, uh, it checks out that that's where that would happen. Yeah, and uh, I, I also being as Midwest as I am, it's always so weird for me to see high schools with lockers that are outside. And mm -hmm. I noticed it when we were down there together too. I'm just like, how? But then I realized that these lucky, these lucky dicks. This is where Project <laughs> X would happen because it's like, 
We have the most perfect life ever. What should we do this weekend? Destroy this house or destroy this house? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's put a BMW in the me, swimming pool. You know those YouTubers, uh, Jake and Logan Paul? Oh, I sure do. Well, you know how they got in trouble for basically ruining their neighborhood? America's Sweethearts. Yeah, America's Sweethearts. Like, this feels very much like they, they have the Project X spirit. Oh, them. man. This movie's ruined forever. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, literally never watch it again. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, I hate Logan Paul. <laughs> well, you heard it here. This is the Logan Paul of party movies. Uh, <laughs> there's two type of YouTubers in this world. Be a Logan Paul or a Bo Burnham. It's up to you to decide. Mm. Speaking of which, I had a Facebook status come up today uh, on like my on this day. And it was like, uh-huh. it was like, yo, Guys, this is from like 2014 when I was in college. It's like, just had a dream about about making a Project X type movie starring myself, <laughs> my friend Aiden, and Bo Burnham. I'm like, like if you would see this movie. And it's got like 15 likes. <laughs> so those 15 people are going to watch me make this my version of this movie. And it's going to be a lot sweeter, Katie. <laughs> good, good. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, anything else to say? I'm sorry I made you do this. <laughs> Like, I'm really glad I finally got to see it, especially in this context. So, again, like, as I stated before, if you're you're a listener and you're uh, wanting a cotton candy party movie and want to compare it to Superbad, I think this is the movie for you. Yeah. I think it'll work for you. Yeah. Watch this movie with perspective. Don't watch this movie expecting it to be good because we don't talk about good movies here. No. Because this is bad movie. Not at all. Wow, and now Miles Teller is Miles Teller, the best part of the flick. Mm. <laughs> you have any final thoughts? No, nah, absolutely not. I've said everything. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I like parts of this movie. I'm sorry that people have to listen to me talk about this movie in any positive light because there's just <laughs> so much wrong with it. Um, but that being said, this uh, this is bad movie brunch is what we do. It's not always going to be High School Musical episodes where we're just gushing, gushing over Lucas Grabeel. You know, sometimes we gotta mm-hmm. sometimes we gotta get real. Got a little get a little dirt under the fingernails. You know, word. <laughs> All right, that's been bad movie brunch. I'm Luke Taylor. I'm Katie Grossinger. Have a good one, guys. Tell me what you know about dreaming, dreaming, you're